Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home an auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. All right, welcome to another edition of the Streaky the Lawn podcast. My name is Pierce. I've got Caroline with me. Hello, Caroline. Hey. How are you? I'm doing really well. How are you, Pierce? I'm doing well as well. And it's just <laughs> us this go around. We've it's cut. It's the best way. We've cut the dead weight from the podcast. <laughs> and we're just keeping it with the two experts. Cream rises to the top. <laughs> <laughs> but we have a lot to talk about. I'm sure we'll be able to, to fill our time uh, because we haven't talked since the big win in Idaho. So that was my first uh, incorrect prediction. Uh, for our season predictions. I'd like to point out that I was correct on the, on the record. Mm, you were correct on the record, <laughs> as in the team record, not the for the record I was correct because you also picked Boise to win. So you're two and two. I'm three and one. The Who's are three and one. <laughs> and that is something you correctly predicted. So for folks following and keeping score at home, everyone's winning. Everyone's uh, winner. And that's that's what's good. Kurt Ben Kurt continued his throwing the deep ball like uh, a an all-star man amongst boys. I mean, it's just so nice to see a ball get launched twenty plus yards and have like some sort of confidence that it might get caught. You when know, was, just like it might when was get. the last time you saw a Virginia quarterback throw the ball as well as Kurt Benkert's playing right now. I, I mean, it's it's got to be Schaub, right? Yeah, and he didn't even throw particularly deep. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't his game for sure. Yeah. Um, but, but the pass, it was like each pass in that Boise State game, each touchdown pass, was increasingly impressive. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just was like the first one to Lavroni was awesome. Like, yeah. Lavroni made a great catch. He had a oh, great yeah. game. He was outstanding. Yeah. And... Then the second one was a lot of just um, Donny Donny Dowling made a really nice play Mm -hmm. after the reception and went the 27 yards into the end zone. Like I'd have to look how much was after, you know, run after contact type thing, but he Mm -hmm. made a guy miss. They took a couple bad angles defensively for Boise state, but a nice run um, there by the wide receiver, but the, the 64 yarder, like I can just like, I can close my eyes and see it. It's just, It was perfectly placed. Mm -hmm. It just like lightly fell into his outstretched, but not totally outstretched arm. (laughs) Perfectly stretched. Yes, like comfortably stretched. (laughs) Like if I put my arms out in front of me in a comfortable fashion as if I was going to receive something, (laughs) that is exactly where Kurt Benkert put the ball. It was 64 yards down the field. And it was just, I watched, I went to the UVA club of DC watch party 
shout out EVA Club of DC for putting on an outstanding event. A lot of fun. It was very quiet. Not many people when I first got there and I was a little concerned. Um, It was packed by the end. We were at town hall up in DC and it was slam packed with people and people were watching the game and they're excited. And there was this sense of disbelief and impending doom at times. Oh yes. (laughs) You know, the usual mix of Virginia fandom. (laughs) Um, But it just kind of like, as it's happening, well, when Boise State scored first, there was definitely this like, oh, shit, this is going to be a long night. Because yeah. <laughs> they did it relatively uh, relatively easily, I will say. Yeah. Um, and then from there, holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> and that's where I've talked to some people about, um, and we're going to talk about our season expectations, but just mm-hmm. the way that they've won the last two games. And, and I think after they're two and one, and you look at, the two wins being William and Mary and UConn and mm-hmm. the loss being a weird loss to Indiana. I think Indiana will end up being a much better team than we had anticipated going into the season. Than you anticipated. Me, for sure. Me, absolutely. <laughs> I've, I've been saying it for months. Indiana's very good. <laughs> okay, so some people like Pierce were right 100% of the time. I'm just a Debbie Downer. Yeah, but out. I think I, I was definitely more impressed with I think that was more of an Indiana played really well and adjusted well. Mm-hmm. And I think by game three, Virginia showed that they did some things differently that we've talked about after yeah. the UConn game when it came to play calling and yeah. utilization of players and that I think yeah. is a very good adjustment by the staff. Yeah. I haven't heard anyone bitch about Robert and I in uh, <laughs> at least a couple of weeks. Yeah, that's crazy. So it's just crazy looking at it where I can see, and I was the same way where it's like, okay, yeah, it's fun to have the same number of wins as last year, but is it really that impressive? And then to go and end like Boise, like the, the, the numbers of like Boise state's success at home, they had only lost seven home games since, since 2001. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was in yeah. three of them. I think it was, were by double digits. They hadn't lost a home game by double digits since 2001. I think it, yeah, was. it was their worst home loss since, since 2001. And what some of that speaks to Boise obviously isn't quite what we're, historically used to with those Chris Peterson teams they're not the same team that came into Scott Stadium a few years ago and they're not the same team that you know, was winning Fiesta Bowls but they're still the, easily the best team uh on the on the schedule I would say I mean I, I you could out of conference but yeah. you could look yeah, gotcha. at uh you could look at Indiana at this point and say that maybe Indiana would be Boise you know transitive property wise anyway they're a strong team no matter yeah. It's Boise, and so this is the most impressive win they've had, the Who's have had in uh, a few years. For At least sure. a few years, and again, it part of it isn't so much. It wasn't if they had squeaked out a win, I think it would be different. But mm-hmm. to go in as two touchdown underdogs and absolutely control the flow of the game and control sure. all the stats in the last couple minutes or whatever it was when Boise scored. Um, with backups in on defense and, mm-hmm. you know, sort of thing. Like I'm sure coach Mendenhall like isn't happy with that. And the players don't want to give up nine points in three minutes or whatever it was, but yeah. well, you look at it. All those F-bombs. <laughs> well, no, that was at halftime right. <laughs> because yeah, that's the thing too, that like they need to be careful about those big plays because yep. the momentum would have been even higher going in. Luckily we got the ball back in the second half. Not luckily, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It mitigated some of the damage yeah. that was done by giving up a long, short drive, if that yeah. makes sense. So long drive executed in not a lot of time right. based on a special teams miscue 
um, which is one of the things I think will continue to be the biggest issue that this team has just because of depth. But it's just, there's so much good to take away from the Boise state game because again, it's not necessarily the like, Oh, they beat Boise state. It's how they beat Boise state and Mm -hmm. the attitude with which they beat Boise state. Mm -hmm. They had fun. Like yeah. you look on the sidelines and there was no getting down after that first touchdown they gave yeah, up. Yeah, or even yeah. after the first offensive drive was a three and out. Mm-hmm. Like the defense played really well. Watching Quinn Blanding play defense mm-hmm. is enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Like he is having a good time on the field and he does really yeah. well. Micah too. Andrew <laughs> yeah. Brown. I mean, I'll, yeah, you're, you're totally Mike right. Thornhill it- has been fantastic. Brenton Nelson is just a delight. He was um, David Hale, who's the uh, ESPN ACC mm-hmm. football dude, called him his defensive like rookie of the of September. Yeah, uh, for the ACC, just from his play, and I completely yeah. agree. Well, he's definitely been uh, a huge surprise um, for sure, and, and and a big benefit because of the lack of depth, uh, particularly in in the defensive yeah. backs. Um, before we go on to the rest of you know season expectations and, and things like that, I do want to know at one point, I'm sure once they had a, a two score lead, you had some optimism about them winning. <laughs> but at what point did your like sense of doom could be around the corner at any minute? When did that leave? When did How that lead into the game where you like, oh, I can just order a beer, <laughs> not stress about the TV, and just enjoy this. I know they're yeah. going to walk out of here. You know, barring um, you know, some sort of disastrous injury or something, it's going to be okay. Let's see. So I will say that I, I did tweet with, like, I think it was uh, um, five or six minutes left. They were up 35-14. Okay. Yeah. I think is when uh, – I mean, no, I think it was – when they went up three touchdowns and it went to the fourth quarter – Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably when I was more like, this is going to happen. <laughs> is this going to happen? At the start of the fourth quarter? Yeah. Is that bad? That's I don't know. I mean. <laughs> I'd have to go back and think like where, like, I don't remember um, exactly like who scored. Let me see if there was a, oh, here, I've got the um, scoring summary. For it would have been an unbelievable collapse had that they <laughs> lost it, uh, you know, in the fourth quarter. Going into so, the they yeah. were 35 14 so yeah yeah so when 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 oz broke open that 56 yard run mm-hmm. that's when i was like wow okay awesome um because one it was one play the time of right. possession was six seconds um but yeah I, th- I think that was probably the biggest point um just because when it's 28-14 and they get the ball back and they're at home and there's, you know, 13 and a half minutes left because they scored on the first possession yeah. out of the, at a halftime. Um, so, yeah, I'd say the Oz 56-yard run and then the ensuing defensive stand sure. is where I kind of was like, okay, like yeah. the defense needs to make a stand after a big play like that, and they did that, yeah. and that's where I was kind of like talking to other people like, this is going to happen. And it really looked, I think that stand uh, and, and that running play, you're, you're exactly right, is where they also looked like they were the better team. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they had been scoring, they'd been executing some great plays and, and were beating them. But that sort of back-to-back sequence is where you go, Virginia's clearly the better team. Yeah. They're not just like getting a few good plays and bounces going their ways, although they, they were, you know, they were clearly the dominant program out there which is right. definitely weird <laughs> i know and that's the thing where you're like um what is happening yeah. here 
So where are your season expectations shifting? Uh, are you seeing more ACC wins than you initially predicted in your um, nine win season? Or I said seven, seven and five. <laughs> it's not that crazy. And I still think that that, um, the thing that's been really interesting about watching the ACC unfold is that I think, and a lot of people agree, we've talked about this a little bit with, with Trogs as a bowl watch and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. where teams that, perhaps had been in the oh this should be relative or the closest you know toss-up should win whatever category you want to put them in Mm -hmm. um like I now have Pitt and UNC in that category where previously I think they would have been a long shot especially being on the road yeah um those are looking like much more manageable games than I think that Virginia can go on the road and win those games because also I think it's very nice to see a Bronco-led squad which now in the last two seasons has gone on the road in one game so they went right. to Duke last year and won a game they obviously went to Boise State right. in a place where they were very successful at home and won a game right. um so there may not be the same like oh Virginia on the road it's going to be a loss so right. those two I think are much more winnable um that I did not have them winning mm-hmm. um I had all of the home ACC games as wins going into whatever that is with November so I think all the October anyway um, that would put them at at six because they've got Duke, BC, and Georgia Tech. Right. So games. I had those as wins, and then the the seventh win being Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, right. Because they Which got the still going to make me laugh. But yeah, the bowl I mean, game monkey off their back. So yeah. then it's like whatever. Yeah, yeah. I um, admire your optimism. Could realistically be seven and one to start the season. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to laugh real quick. I think this team technically could be seven and one it is possible it i i don't know that that's something i even want to consider as a realistic goal i know sure yeah unc bc and Pitt all look beatable Mm -hmm. Um, particularly bc at home you gotta you gotta be confident about uh, people are pretty high on the chances this weekend though uh, you know do get a bad game against Miami, but they, they're not as bad as that game was. And no. UNC and Pitt have looked like absolute butt. So I get it. <laughs> yes. Each of them look like a game that UVA could win. I, <laughs> I'm just not going to go, yeah, it's, it's probable, you know, or anything along right. those lines. And it's funny because, like, I think probably the most likely loss in those four is probably Duke, just because yeah. I think Duke is the best out of those four teams. Yeah. Um, however... I'm very curious to see how this game goes on Saturday. Cause I do think yeah. that this is a very, a, a big game for the program, not just because a win would put them at four wins and two closer to a being, but like, mm-hmm. I think that fourth win is a huge hurdle. Yeah. Um, and especially to get it that early would be awesome. Yeah. But there's just something regardless of that I think the mental aspect of coming off of a bye week and opening the conference season mm-hmm. and keeping up the momentum like my biggest fear of having the bye week when we did is just like what happened last season which is where we had all this momentum going into the bye week mm-hmm. um you know picked up the two wins had the bye week and then just lost the rest of them which is not ideal and, and there's been <laughs> a lot of talk from the coaching staff and the players in the last two weeks about how this year is different from last year yeah. and what the mentality is. And that's great. Like that's stuff you want to hear. Um, yeah. Like I said, in the, the barometer for this game, uh, or I said in the um, round table, I, I, 
I still think the Duke game is the barometer for is this going to be successful or not uh, as a season. And I don't think it's an easy win. Um, I, I guess I anticipate a win. You know, they're slowly gaining my confidence back, yeah. and I think they can handle it this weekend and take care of it because they, they looked like a good team against Boise. Um, so it did a lot to change my mind on the team, but the, you're right, the impact of this game can't be understated. Uh, to be able to be at four and one and win one of those circled winnable games. Yeah. Drop one of those, that means you need to pick up an uh, unwinnable game or a less likely. Or one that I thought was unwinnable previously, which would have been like a. So if they lose a Duke like and win at Carolina, then yeah. we're in the same spot that I thought they'd be. Right. Just again, like the Indiana Boise right, right. State thing. Records the same, wins are different. Right. Um, I'm trying to figure out what I think will be very interesting is the way in which um, Duke and UVA match up. So Duke has Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is a very good quarterback. Virginia fans might not think that about Daniel Jones because their <laughs> last time seeing Daniel Jones, he threw five interceptions and yeah. got trucked in the end zone by Jordan Mack, he fumbling sure the ball and turning yeah. it over for another Virginia touch, uh, touchdown. You want to talk gifts I've watched over and over and <laughs> over. That's easily number one god damn he crushed him (laughs) um and so i'm looking at you know we talked about miami game last week um 27 yard pass for a touchdown um 49 yard pass for a touchdown 40 yard touchdown run um so miami was able to put up big chunks of passing um Mm -hmm. against duke secondary Mm -hmm. um and i think the I think that on each side of the ball, that is going to be the matchup. Mm-hmm. I don't think either team is going to particularly dominate in rushing. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I don't know. Maybe I'm way off, but um, I don't know. Just, I, I like EVA's rushing game. Um, so I do too. Duke, I think it's right Duke's where rushing I defense. Yeah, I, I think our rushing game is good, and I think it'll be again crucial to establish some sort of ability in the run game where we can mm-hmm. open up plays for the wide receivers um more slants more deep routes mm-hmm. um but i don't know if this game's going to be one on i don't know like the, i guess i'm not really sure what i don't know if you understand what i'm trying to say i think the the matchup between daniel jones and our secondary is going to be very interesting because i think guys like brenton nelson and Juan thornhill even quinn blanding um those guys can intercept the ball <laughs> they've done it and um Daniel Jones has four interceptions in five games so yep. far this season. So it's not crazy. Like he's not giving it away. No, you're um, right. The secondary is, is probably the key for the who's on defense. You know, you could say getting pressure, but I think we're, we're pretty uh, good at that. I think, you know, I like Broncos setup in the blitz packages. Micah yeah. is just, when Micah wants to get to the quarterback, apparently he just has to do that. <laughs> um, I, I, he makes himself so small to get through the line. Um, so I think we'll pressure them. I think we'll be able to contain some of the running like we've seen them do so far. And it will come down to is Jones going to be able to make enough plays to keep uh, Boise in it. And is UVA going to take care of the ball? And that's something right. that we've he- heard going into every game. And every game it's worked out, knock on wood. Yeah. There have been a lot of balls on the turf that UVA has recovered. Yeah. You know, they've, they've gotten darn lucky uh, on some of the turnovers, but also done a great job of forcing their own turnovers. So 
they can keep up uh, winning that battle, I think, you know, they're, they're going to have a, the upper hand for sure. So um, I guess the better way to put what I was trying to say is like Duke has a relative, like a solid rush defense. Mm-hmm. They've got a, a good or somewhat experienced, you know, front line coming back. Mm-hmm. I think coach Cutcliffe said this week on the ACC coaches teleconference, they've got three senior guys returning, which is about what Virginia has on the offensive line. So the offensive defensive line matchup there should be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, Duke picks up a lot of sacks. I think they have 20 on the season, which leads the ACC. Oh, wow. yeah. But Virginia is tied for second with giving up only six on the season. So Something's that's one of those. Give. Yeah, what's going on? You know, two teams enter. <laughs> um, and at the same time, my um, Duke is only giving up or allowing 80 yards rushing per game for their opponents. However, their passing defense is giving up 211 yards per game. All right. So, that's where I'm saying, like, it'll be interesting. I think Kurt and the wide receivers should be able to make some noise. Like, as long as the offensive line gives him enough time to find those guys, mm-hmm. we should have the ability to pick up chunks in the seven, five to eight chunks at a time type thing, like slants. Mm-hmm. And then if the running game can do a little bit more, if the line can get them some holes like they did last two weeks ago, then that's awesome. Um and I, sorry, they've Dan Jones has six touchdowns and three interceptions. ACC's stat site is weird. They say Duke's played six games, but <laughs> that is clearly not accurate. Uh, they're four and one, so it's, you know it's they're a good team coming in. It'll be interesting to to see what happens. And yeah, it's hard to read much into them getting uh, you know spanked in Miami. Miami hasn't played anybody but them. Toledo. Well, it was in it was in Duke at oh, Duke. Or whatever. It was at Duke. Sorry. Well, yeah. regardless, uh, and they dominated. Yeah, Miami looked great, and and before the season, I you know Miami was, I think, more regarded than not as as the predicted coastal champion. Yeah. Um. So they could be very very good. Uh, they they actually their makeup game with FSU is this weekend. It is. Yeah. It should, be. should be. FSU is what one and two. Yeah, yeah, after barely winning at Wake. Uh, yeah. I mean, again, um, the, the Wake gave away a little bit. <laughs> after yeah, Wake, they're so close. But FSC lost their QB. I mean, this, this is, you that's know, that's going to hurt for anybody. Yeah. Um, looking at the Who's, you know, I think we could talk a little about some surprises so far coming off the, the roster. I think Brett Nelson is obviously one of the bigger ones, uh, having a guy come for track. And uh, just make his way into the starting uh, corner uh, after Tim Smith goes down, and and I know Crowell looked a little lost his first experience. He's been dealing with the injury too, so yeah, he's Nelson, out for the season now. Yeah, it, it, Nelson is just uh, you know, a, a complete savior on the other side uh, of that secondary. Um, but uh, what do you see else that, that sticks out to you? Um, I have just been, and I don't know if it's necessarily surprising or maybe something that I anticipated. Um, I am such a big Andre Lavroni fan. Like, and I think some of it coming into the season is just, you kind of see the potential was it two years ago, that UCLA game. Like he had a couple really nice catches and he has dealt with some injury issues last season, but he's just the perfect build for just that's what strong B- B- was saying when he was on uh the podcast was he he looks like an nfl wide receiver yes yeah. like i just look and i i just really like him as a player i like all the interviews i've seen with him they do all those like who's who's or who <laughs> i can't even that i really actually sidebar 
Shout out to Virginia football's um, social media team this season. Sure. I've been very impressed. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of fans, myself included, like to see that side of the team, like to see the behind the scenes, like to Daniel Ham doing the Cavalier Minute where he talks mm-hmm. to some of his teammates. He, he has to go into some sort of acting or broadcasting. <laughs> his voice is fantastic. His cadence, gotcha. the way he del- – anyway, love it. Love, 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 love Daniel Ham. But Andre Lavroni has just been – Oh my gosh, fantastic. Like mm-hmm. this is everything that I had wanted from him and it's just exciting to see it all coming together and um I, I he's just played so well. I think mm-hmm. he's he's been the biggest delight for me on offense mm-hmm. minus Kurt learning or finding the long ball touch. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll, I'll stick with Brent Nelson defensively, but yeah. those are probably the two guys that um I've really, really, really enjoyed seeing succeed this season. And yeah. as my, you know, two A or whatever you want to call it, I don't know, one B. Um, <laughs> two A. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what is, I don't know what's happening. Um, Alameda has been, like, I think we all knew that he was capable of some of these things. Yeah. Um, but with the limited carries and stuff behind Smoke, he was more of the, he's very similar to Smoke. He's got a great set of hands and he's, an outstanding runner. Um, yeah. Well, he's only got uh, six carries on the year. Yeah. One is a, that really huge one, but they're <laughs> sure. definitely using him, uh, you know, in the slot uh, or catching out of the backfield more yeah. than their rush of the ball. And I think part of that is because Jordan Ellis has been pretty successful. So I've been surpri- surprised or happy just to <laughs> just to see that my optimism in Ellis coming in uh, is, <laughs> yeah. has been – uh, rewarded. Uh, he's he's averaging four yards a carry. He's definitely had um, some good longer runs. Not nothing too, you know, nothing like Zacchaeus. But he he, you just put him in. He's going to get you, yeah. You know, the, those those four or five yards a run more often than not. And that's like harking back to you know the Tiki Barber, Wally Lundy, like just having somebody that you can give the ball and they're going to get you manageable second down. Or manageable third down. Yeah. Not that uh, Reed or Smoke didn't do what they do, but we didn't have the O line over the last few years, I feel like, to really have that type of churning, consistent running production. So hopefully that bodes well uh, for ACC play. So. And one of, one of the cool things that I think has been, I guess, as a team surprise, um, and I, I hadn't really thought about it or honestly noticed it much until, again, Coach Codcliffe said something about Kurt Benker and his third down conversion abilities mm-hmm. um so i looked it up and virginia's com- has converted 35 of 69 third down nice chances nice mm-hmm. for a nice 51 percent mm-hmm. um so they're converting 50 percent of the time they're getting the first down if they're in a third down situation we're on the flip side only 26 percent of the time are they letting their opponents yeah. 14 for 54 yeah that's awesome like, yeah. That's really good, right? I, I mean, like, I don't necessarily have a great reference point as to what's normal on third downs, but um, it, it, the defense has been putting teams in difficult third down situations, which is exactly what you want. They're first and second downs. They're doing a great job putting pressure. And that's, I think, where against a guy like Daniel Jones that I'm not saying – it's one of those games, too, where I'm a little nervous having him come in after throwing five interceptions last year. I, I don't need homeboy to go off for, like, six touchdown passes and you're like, see, I'm fine. Um, <laughs> but if you're putting a guy in a situation no matter the quarterback, 
um, where they're consistently in third and seven, third and 12, you know, um, maybe put a little bit more pressure on the quarterback there, which is yeah. also what happened a lot at Boise State is by taking the lead and not letting them convert things easily. Boise State didn't use a lot of the – I forget his name now because it's been two weeks, but they have a guy who's much more the rushing quarterback that they had planned on kind of yeah, using yeah, both yeah. of them, and they, they had to stick with the, with the passer um, to try and make up ground quickly, and just mm-hmm. you know, it didn't work. So um, I, think it, I think that's a really interesting thing to look at too, I mean, that, that 51% third, third down conversion mm-hmm. and how the defense is holding them on the flip side. They're – Taking care of the ball, like, yeah, like we were talking 73% about. Yeah, 73% of their red zone appearances. Mm-hmm. 11 for 15 mm-hmm. in the red zone. 9 for 15. 60% of the time, if they're in the red zone, they're going to score a touchdown. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I would love it if it were like 90%. However, the fact we've made two field goals also makes me happy. <laughs> that is better than what was here last year. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, Benkert going with 10 touchdowns so far, one interception is pretty, pretty strong work. Uh, You know, you can talk a little bit about, I mean, he he looks great, like we were saying at the beginning, but uh, just making the right decision. um, I think they've clearly got on him a little bit to, you know, be okay to take those yards and and run it. And maybe that speaks a little bit to not forcing throws, which would certainly lead to turnovers pick up some of those first downs by foot. I, I love seeing that. I love seeing – and he's been playing it smart. Like, he's not get, he hasn't gotten crushed by anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's averaging 312 yards per game. Yeah, that's nuts. Oh, yes, please. Pick him up in your college football fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's this really weird place to be, Pierce, where it's like I look at these <laughs> things and I'm like, look at all these good things they're doing. Yeah, uh, it is weird. They're getting they're in bro, they're in bowl projections. Yeah, in 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 October. <laughs> yeah, well, hopefully we haven't like completely jinxed them. Um, yeah, I know, right? I know it wouldn't be just on the two of us. Uh, pretty no. much all UVA fans are, are talking. Uh, wow, wow, uh, uh, and even bowl games have been uttered here and there. <laughs> yeah. Hi, military we'll I love you. <laughs> and again, this weekend will we'll go a long way, I think, to making everyone comfortable and being uh, optimistic about a bowl game. I mean, if four they, and one, then you're thinking, okay, it's going to be hard for them to to not at least go six and six. But that schedule in November is an easy zero and four. Yeah, so they need it uh, for sure. I still think that there's going to be, and someone else said this. I don't know if it was in the broadcast or whatever. I saw a clip from it today with someone talking about. Um, that they think Virginia, and it was like one of the ESPN guys. I think it was a clip that Vic Soto tweeted today with like the kind of some hype things from the sidelines from the Boise State game. And one of the um, commentators from that game, they took the clip from it, whatever. And he was speaking over saying like, this team is going to take a team that they have no business being on, like playing. They're going to take someone late into the game that they have no business taking late into the game. So right. I think they meant more like the Louisville or the, Miami or the Virginia Tech where people would say like, oh, this is going to be a blowout and all of a sudden it's going to be like last year's Louisville game. Yeah, well, Louisville um, doesn't look all that great. I mean, Lamar Jackson's amazing and yeah. will win games on his own. Um, but the I'm rest of the team hasn't been yeah. all that impressive. I think tonight's so game with NC State will be yeah. really interesting. It should. I like State. Uh, now, saying that, I'm, Louisville's going to win by 35 <laughs> now, of course, because I don't know what the hell I'm talking about. But um, I like State a lot. Um, and and 
they've just been hamstrung by being in a, the Atlantic. So yeah. if they can overtake Louisville. They beat Louisville. They've already beaten um, Florida State. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Clemson is you know far and away the best team sure. in the ACC. I've I mean, I haven't watched a ton of Alabama games because at this point, what what's the point of watching yeah, an Alabama game boring. right now? I don't need to watch them <laughs> destroy Vanderbilt or, you know, whoop up on some terrible non-conference team. That, um, but I just, like FSU. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I just think Clemson's the best. I think they've beaten three top 15 teams this month yeah. in September. Like, I think they're – Far and away the best. Uh, no, far and away. It looks like they're headed towards Clemson, the Alabama. Country, in my opinion. Yeah, um, uh, round three. I mean, yeah, they've they've been the most impressive teams by far. Yeah. Uh, Washington State, though, yeah, has been That's a been pleasant surprise. I was happy to see them beat USC because I have a soft spot for Mike Leach as. You know, we all should have. So weird. I, not that this isn't an anti-Bronco thing, but every day I wish Mike Leach was our No, I for don't. For so many reasons. No. <laughs> it would make, it would make <laughs> life so much better. Not necessarily better than Bronco, but just better than boring normal life. At least, yeah. You know what? As from me running the website standpoint, hashtag content. <laughs> We've got Mike Leach. Um, yeah, I think for Saturday... 1220 regional networks. Um, this game will be if Virginia can come out of the gate and play well, get maybe get another early lead type thing. Mm-hmm. I really hope, I, I will say, I've thought about like tweeting something, but I'm so disappointed that the school has decided to like institute this bag policy mm-hmm. right now. Like, I know they're not the only ones that have this bag policy. The NFL uses the clear bag policy. Duke has no bags at all. Like I get it. Like I understand. Like that's not completely outlandish to me. The timing choice is what blows my mind because it's not the beginning of the season and you finally have a team that people would want to come watch. Like why are you going to make it more difficult for yeah. them to come see this team? Do you do you think the bag policy is going to keep someone from going? I don't know. I mean there I've seen I think that it, and I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure that you can still take like diaper bags in because they can't keep, I've, at least that's how it's been with like, I'm not sure. I don't yeah, have a kid. No I don't have to carry <laughs> diaper bags. I'm not sure. I don't have a stupid kid or anything <laughs> like that. So. They let me take my dog to the game. So yeah. um, but I think that there's some, there might be some people that are hesitant. Like if they had thought about like taking the family and now they can't. Yeah. Like, that's a little bit of a deterrent, frankly. Yeah, it could be. Or sure. if there's a student that wasn't paying attention and they get to the gate and they're like, yo, you can't come in with that. Like, they just go back to their dorm room. Right. And maybe a group of them don't come anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, right. yeah. But I, I don't think it'll be a huge thing. But it just has a little bit of, come on, man. Yeah, it's a little bit of like we're trying to have fun again, and yeah, put new big brother coming in and be like, mm, no, football's not fun, no, no, no. <laughs> um, but all that being said, everyone leave all your shit at home, <laughs> go to the game. <laughs> it's the bicentennial. If Brian Lee Young were here, he'd want me to tell you about the put, put the flask in your pocket. I mean, it's not like that There's hard. Plenty <laughs> of things online that you can order to help. <laughs> Just kidding. Don't do that. It's against the rules, kids. Yeah. Are you going to the Bicentennial? I am not. I have to work this weekend, and I'm running the uh, um, Army 10-Miler on Sunday because I'm an idiot. That's really that dumb. <laughs> I'm not prepared. Why, correct me if I'm wrong. You're paying money <laughs> yeah, to yeah. go run. Yeah. 
around DC, which I could do anything. Running free usually. <laughs> You've decided. <laughs> I'm to going pay to money. get up super early on a Sunday. <laughs> wake up early. <laughs> And then get in your car and come to Scott Stadium, or are you are you skipping the game because of this? No, team? I have to work on Saturday. Oh, so you have to work that too. Yeah, I'm working oh. game day, so I'll what be covering. What a terrible job you have. <laughs> I'll be covering the game. <laughs> and my work, I mean, I will be at SB Nation headquarters watching football all day. So. Oh. Well, I will be at Scott Stadium, so I will, I will bring a clear bag in your honor. Thank you. Um, but yeah, we'll... Uh, a clear bag of vodka We'll be back next week to hopefully celebrate being four and one. And I don't know, Holy trying crap. to wrap our minds around that. Um, I think that podcast would not just be... talking about how we jinxed. Uh, the team. <laughs> yeah. That podcast were four and one. That's just me going yeah, uh, <laughs> an hour and a half. Uh, yeah, that'll, be, that'll be my answer to everything next week. Uh, uh, <laughs> assuming it's a good weekend, but yeah, uh, let's check out the who's Saturday, Scott stadium probably on NBC or whatever covers your regional games. If you're listening to this in the Virginia area, <laughs> stay tuned to streak of the lawn for more pregame stuff, certainly game threads and post game analysis. And uh, for Caroline and our blogging member podcasters who aren't here, uh, I'm Pierce and go hoops. iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like taking those perfect new year, new you portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. It's the best way to stay connected to everyone you'll heart most in 2019. So get ready to fall in love with iPhone XR on T-Mobile, the most loved in wireless. Call 1-800-T-Mobile to learn more or visit a store today.